Hello, and welcome back to the Science for Policy podcast. My name's Toby, and today I'm joined by Dr. Vera Mitzner from Future Earth. Future Earth is an organisation which supports collaboration and networking between researchers in the broad area of sustainability science. And Dr. Mitzner is the Associate Director of Future Earth's US Hub, where, among other things, she leads on organising a series of annual events known as the Sustainability Research and Innovation Congress. She has a PhD in History and Civilization from the European University Institute. So, Vera, welcome to the podcast. Great. Thank you, Toby. Great to be here. So, are you an expert in all history and civilizations? (laughs) Or did you focus on something in particular for your PhD? Yes, modern European history, actually contemporary European history. So I wrote my PhD thesis about the history of um, European Union research policy. Ah, okay, of course you did. But presumably you had colleagues who were writing about, you know, the fall of the Roman Empire or the rise of the Ottoman Empire and whatever. Yes, Mm. all that, all that. But, you know, historians use very similar methods uh, for the research so we're actually not so different from each other. It's it's the approach that's shared uh, more than the topics that we study. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Uh, my girlfriend at the university studied history, and she was always a bit surprised that people would sometimes assume she just knew about everything that had ever happened. That has happened to me too. You know, it's, <laughs> it's funny, like you can't be an expert of history. That's <laughs> no. not an option. <laughs> so just as a kind of... Um, advanced notice, I guess, of where I want this conversation to end up. I'd like to explore whether it's possible to see these big policy-focused events as a kind of science advice. Events like the the Sustainability Research and Innovation Congress, which we better start calling the SRI Congress, hadn't we? I mean, or, or if we don't want to treat them as science advice processes, then why not? What's different? But I guess the way to approach that is first to ask you to say a bit about the Congress, what it is and how it works. Sure. Yeah, the SRI Congress um, is the world's largest event focused on sustainability research innovation. We launched uh, the event in actually at a first possible time um, to to launch a global event. Let me guess, COVID. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So we were planning to have our first SRI Congress in 2020. um, And of course, it didn't happen. It was postponed to 2021 um, when we had the event in Australia and online. And it was an instant success. We had about 2,000 people join us mostly online at that point. And since then, um, the initiative has has grown. Um, Each year, we organize um, an open bidding process to host the Congress. Um, and last year we were in South Africa, that was in 2022. And this year we were in Panama. And SRI is a collaboration between uh, two organizations, which are Future Earth um, and the Belmont Forum. Okay, great. Yeah, maybe just to say that really what, what makes it quite unique is the attempt to accelerate a global sustainability transformation and to bring together different types of expertise. So diversity is really something that describes the event and that also came through in our post-Congress survey responses that people really felt that there aren't many other events that bring together such a diversity of people and and knowledge and expertise. Yeah, so 2,000 people in the first year. I mean, that suggests you really stumbled into an untapped demand. Did you know it was going to be that successful? No, it really kind of, we were expecting 800 people. That was the number that we had in mind. 
Of course, FutureF is a large community. We are the world's largest uh, network of global change researchers and uh, have um, groups involved in Future Earth in different parts of the world. And also the Belmont Forum is an international organization. But yeah, we were really surprised by the interest in the Congress. And it totally showed us that there is a demand for an event like this. And it, it has been uh, a stable in the landscape of global convening since. So we've had every year about 2,000 people join us. And of course, now in the recent years, it has been more focused on on-site participation. So actually this year's Congress was the first Congress where we had more people attending on-site than online. But hybrid is important for us because it's a matter of accessibility and it's a matter of sustainability so that not everybody has to travel. We also have satellite events, by the way. So every year we have events that are connected to the main Congress in, in different parts of the world. Um, this year there was a hybrid event in South Africa and then there was an online event in Asia, the time zone of Asia. Yeah, I did notice there were events running basically 24 hours a day. I mean, I could have got up at 4 a.m. to join a session if I wanted to. <laughs> and not unrelated to that, who are these people? I mean, I, I think I understand who your constituents are in Future Earth, but who exactly comes along to this event? That's, that's a frequently asked question, for sure. It is diverse, because for a global sustainability transformation, you basically need everyone um, to the table. But it, this Congress attracts mostly an expert audience. Between 50 and 60% of the participants have been academics um, studying different aspects of sustainability and global change. And then we have participants from the public sector, civil society, business. It is a transdisciplinary event, and, and we really want to keep it so accessible to different groups um, to really to come together and have conversations they would not have anywhere else. I see. Yeah. And if it's not an impolite question, who pays for it? Yeah. Yeah. No, that, that's, that's relevant. SRI is organized by Future Earth and the Belmont Forum and the global, the, 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 lo sorry, the local host. And we are a nonprofit venture, but we rely on registrations and sponsorships to cover our costs. Mm -hmm. Okay. And you said that like 60% of the audience are academics, but that's, I mean, that's a big share, but it's still at least 40% who aren't. I wonder what these other 40% of attendees uh, hope to get out of a conference, which is 60% researchers talking to each other about their research. Yeah, exactly. That's what it is. So it's, it's not an academic conference. As in a traditional sense. Really, the idea is to have conversations between people who produce knowledge and those who would be using that knowledge. So, th so that's that's basically what it is. And and just to create a space where um, different different people coming from different backgrounds can can come together and and have dialogue. Mm -hmm. And you can guess where my particular interest is. How about policymakers? Yeah, we, we, we are attracting policymakers. In fact, this year's SRI Congress, SRI 2023, um, that was held in Panama, was uh, co-organized with the Panamanian government. So that attracted quite strong government participation. About 18% of all participants came from the public sector. And we had high-level participation. Um, even the vice president came to the opening of, of the Congress. And we are hoping really to continue on the track. Uh, SRI 2024, which will be held in, in Helsinki and Espoo in Finland, will be organized by the two 
um, leading research universities, University of Helsinki and Aalto University, but we are in conversations also with ministries to, to bring government perspective to the Congress. Yeah, that's great. Although I have to say, like having the vice president come and speak at the opening is one thing, is that's kind of political input, and I get why that's valuable. But in terms of whether it can influence policymakers, you know, whether there's whether there's two-way communication, genuine like science or policy work. I mean, do the academics who take part see it as an opportunity to communicate with policymakers? Yeah, yeah. So when we launched our call for contributions or sessions, uh, one of the criteria there is diversity of speakers. And there's, there's the hope that people would come, the speaker would, would come from different sectors of society. So not just researchers from different disciplines, but also policymakers, decision makers, uh, business leaders, civil society leaders, and so on. So we do encourage that. And it's happening. It's it's certainly happening. Yeah. So what strikes me uh, when listening to you is, is what I mentioned at the start, which is that when we're talking about ways that evidence can be transferred into policymaking, we tend to think about, you know, situations where there is a policy need uh, and then so the policymaker asks the scientist for help in solving a policy problem or the scientist offers the help spontaneously or whatever, um, which can be like a formal institutionalized setting, like a science advice committee or some kind of science advice mechanism. Or it can be less formal, like a one-to-one conversation. But the way you framed the purpose of your event a few minutes ago was that you said it's a place where people who have knowledge or create knowledge maybe can meet with people who need to use that knowledge. And that's why I'm asking about the policymaker involvement, of course, because if you achieve that mission, then this is also a channel where science can influence policy. And that's true, even though when we talk about evidence-informed policymaking, we rarely think of big events as a channel where that happens, or at least not a channel that's worth studying. Yeah, we, we don't speak about science as wise, actually, around SRI. Right? There's no particular reason for why we don't use that, that, that wording, we speak about moving knowledge to action, but look, it's <laughs> to some extent, it's the same thing, right? As you say, it's kind of a different way of, of informing decision-making. It's not around a particular policy issue. It's more kind of unstructured, but it is a space for dialogue between different groups. And and also, it's 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 an opportunity for policymakers to draw attention to certain issues, or researchers to draw attention to certain issues, and that's why we've, for instance, had um, participation from UN organizations each year. They usually organize a session or two to elevate some of their priority issues in front of a global audience. And also SRI is a great place to get a crosscut of what's happening in the sustainability science space. I don't think there's any other event where you can get such a great overview globally what's happening in this space and what are kind of the emerging conversations um, in academia, but also beyond. Yeah. I mean, I know we're talking about semantics, but I wasn't really suggesting that you should use the term science advice. I mean, mostly because it seems like the territory for that term has already been staked out. It does mean, you know, you have an interface with an advisor and some kind of controlled interaction between the advisor and the policymaker. But I think there is a lot of value also in this kind of more unstructured conversation or series of conversations or just a big place where scientists and political people can mingle and talk and understand the issues. Yeah, but there are also 
conversations around how that happens. We actually had several sessions this year about transdisciplinary research and and we're always looking for a kind of success stories in that and and case studies to so that people can learn where like how that's done in in other contexts and other countries um, because there are a lot of people trying to figure out how to do that well and and it's always useful to to learn from others and other examples in that space I want to ask you about the dreaded word impact. Basically, I want to ask you if you have any evidence of, of um, making a difference in policy making because of the interactions that have happened at your event. Um, but I feel like I should also preface your answer by saying that every time I ask this question to anybody, the answer is always like, eh, <laughs> yeah, we know that we are having an impact, but it's very hard to quantify. These things are difficult to pin down and so on. So, um, And that's true even when you're talking about quite a structured and carefully organized interface between science <laughs> and policy. So in this kind of unstructured environment, I guess I'm also asking, is that even a possible thing to aspire to? Yeah, we would love to do it better because we... As I mentioned, it's a nonprofit initiative. We do it because we want to create change in this world. That's really what drives us. And it's frustrating that it's hard for us to understand what is the change that happens as a result. But there, there's a lot of anecdotal evidence, like you know, people who come year after year, they share with us. It's kind of, we get bits and pieces here and there, which keeps us going. Um, it's It's wonderful to hear that that our participants find the event rewarding. They come back year after year. Like this year in our survey, and surveys are tricky as well. We had about 100 responses in our post-conference participant survey out of like over 2,000 people that came. <laughs> but it's 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 valuable. But nine, 93% um, mentioned that they would come back or maybe come back the next year, which is great. Yeah, that's good to know. I can also imagine that, I mean, tracking impact is very hard, not just because people don't answer questionnaires, right? And questionnaires also don't give you what you want, really. But also because I guess some of the impacts, especially on policy, but also on people's career and their research, can be so long-term and so diffuse that you couldn't really pin it down anyway, even if you knew about it, you know? Um it's one thing to have politicians say, oh, I spoke to a scientist and the next day I modified my proposed legislation. But far more likely it's something, you know, you have these conversations, you change a few minds and 10 years down the line, uh, regulation has evolved in a different direction and, and you can never pin down your influence on it anyway. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And of course, we would love to know that, but how? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, they won't necessarily realise, right? I mean, that's the nature of the beast. And as I say, it's the same challenge faced by even quite structured science policy interactions. So, I mean, to broaden the conversation out a bit more, there are, in general, many different ways that people attempt to inject science and evidence into political decision-making. There's science advice, obviously. There's political campaigning. There is lobbying by interest groups. There's, um, you know, political activism. There are no doubt many others. Do you feel like events or platforms like yours can usefully fit into that general schema as well? Do you feel like you are doing science to policy work? I mean, yes and no. I mean, as we have discussed, it is a platform for moving knowledge to action. Um, it's just a very different 
mechanism than the more traditional mechanisms of science advice or tools. Yeah. And of course, like things might happen within particular sessions, you know, like there might be a session put together by someone who is actually working in a policy advice role and then bringing together uh, policymakers um, and researchers to that session and that conversation actually taking forward some specific initiative. But that happens kind of within the sessions. The Congress overall is such a broad platform that it's really hard to say how it more specifically moves anything. A question that's often asked though is like, is there a, you know, a Congress declaration or something like that could be a way of shaping a conversation. Something we have is an SRI message. So the host of each Congress, the local host, delivers a message to the next host. I don't think that has had a lot of policy impact. By now, it's more about kind of keeping the spirit of SRI alive, making sure it kind of embraces the values it's supposed to embrace. Um, but interestingly, it's something we always discuss, though, like should this be connected to some kind of like broader international policy process? Should there be actually a recommendation coming out of this Congress? So far, we haven't done that, but that's, of course, an option there. Uh, it would just have to align really well in terms of timing uh, and also in terms of issue. Yeah, that is interesting, but maybe also tricky. I mean, it gives the event a slightly different character, it seems to me. I mean, if you're trying to, let's use your phrase, move knowledge into action, then creating a platform for organic movements, <laughs> if you'll excuse the expression, is one thing. But taking the event as a whole as an opportunity to kind of make a statement on behalf of the whole community to the policymaking community, then it's not just a platform. It's more like an attempt to derive and no doubt negotiate an overall purpose. It just feels different. I don't know. Yeah, it depends on what that would be. Would it be feeding into a particular policy process or would it be just a generic declaration and how to make sure that everybody's behind it? So, so there are challenges around it. But that said, it keeps coming up in conversations around the Congress and people ask about it as well. So I would not say never, um, but it just has to be the right timing. It has to be the right framing. It has to be the right issue for it to, because it's important for us to stay true to the spirit of SRI. We feel that we've created something that's meaningful for the global community, uh, working on sustainability. And uh, we have to be true to that community as well and uh, not to step too far to, to any direction that doesn't align with what the event is supposed to be. Yes, indeed. So if you try to add in the element of, you know, this year's Congress speaking as a scientific community would like to tell the world's governments the following, and then you write a declaration of, I don't know, seven carefully worded, negotiated, no doubt, vague bullet points or whatever. By doing that, you're getting into this different territory. Like we said, not only providing a place to talk, but also kind of speaking yourself as a body. You then start to get closer to the patch of other organizations that do that kind of thing, whether institutionalized or not. You know, there are other bodies that are supposed to be or take themselves to be the voice of science to policy on a particular topic. And actually, a lot of those topics are related to your topic of sustainability. And I think when you start to get into that territory, well, firstly, you've, you've got to be offering something different. And more than that, you'd also kind of... Uh, 
you'd have to, as it were, compete or at least show you are playing in the same ball game as these big, mature, structured organizations like, you know, the IPCC and the International Science Council and blah, 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 which have mature systems and processes that govern what they say and do that control for bias and include diverse viewpoints and control quality and, and you name it. And uh, I don't know if you want to go there. It's a whole thing. Yeah, I mean, yes and no. Um, we have mechanisms in place to make sure that the quality of the program is is high and that there is diversity. And that is the external program committee, which is nominated by our executive committee. And it's important for us to make sure every year that there's different types of expertise, uh, people from different backgrounds, from different regions, um, and, and they review the session proposals. Um, and each proposal has traditionally been reviewed by three reviewers. So it's quite rigorous, actually, as a process. So th this applies to the core program, and then we have plenary sessions and side events and of course like it's a it's a big event uh with like 300 different activities we also have had something called an open day which is a day that's open to anyone um and it was really well received this year in panama we had local partners for instance a local university um the smithsonian tropical research institute was a partner at the, at the, at the local museum and um, it was an opportunity for the local community to come to the Congress. There was no fee to attend that day. And the Congress participants to see what's happening in Panama in terms of sustainability and sustainability science. So yeah, the, okay, I, I got distracted a little bit from your question, but to say that <laughs> it's fine. the program, there, there are mechanisms for us to make sure that the program is balanced, it's diverse. And yeah, if, if you wanted to develop the Congress more into a direction of making statements or recommendations, of course, they would need probably, we would need something additional as well. Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, it's a different thing, right? I mean, ensuring a balanced and high quality event program is different from producing a piece of high quality scientific advice. Yeah. By the way, do you have industry representatives there? Yes, we have private sector participation and also sponsorships from the private sector. We would like to increase that piece. It has been the hardest sector to engage in SRI. Um, but yes, every year we've had industry participants, participants from businesses. Um, and uh, and it's, it's important. I think it's really important to have that sector there as well. Mm -hmm. Okay. So we've talked about events like this being a place where science for policy work can be can be done. On a slightly different note, is it also a place where the practice of science for policy is discussed? I mean, very directly, take someone like me. I'm not a sustainability expert or a policymaker. I'm someone who's interested in how those two worlds interact. Is there something at events like yours for me? Yeah, well, that's a great question. I mean, they're kind of like a boundary spanners working in the boundary between science and, and, and practice and science and policy. And SRI sits quite steadily in that space as an event. So, so certainly it will be an opportunity 
to learn how science advice or efforts to move science to action, how transdisciplinary research uh, is done in in by different groups in in different contexts. Like that would be an opportunity to kind of to get a better understanding of of, of all that. And and certainly also an opportunity to create global networks. Um, SRI participation is fully global. I don't know many other events that are equally global besides some of the UN events. Uh, so it's it's a wonderful opportunity to get a global picture of what's happening in the transdisciplinary space uh, worldwide. So we'll be our, uh, we'll be announcing the call for contributions uh, this fall. So that's a wonderful way of shaping the program and bring your conversation and community to the Congress. Well, you've clearly got a very valuable thing here. So I wish you all the best for Helsinki next year in future events. And uh, and thanks for taking the time to talk to me and help me <laughs> figure out how what you're doing fits into the broader science and policy landscape. Vera Mitzner, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much, Toby. I appreciated it. The Science for Policy podcast is created by Sapea. It's produced by me, Toby Wardman, with additional research and support from Agnieszka Pietruchuk. Sapea is a consortium of Europe's academy networks representing more than 100 academies, young academies and learned societies from more than 40 countries across Europe. We're part of the European Commission's scientific advice mechanism, and as such, we're funded by the European Union. Having said that, the opinions you hear on this podcast are those of the guests, and sometimes mine, but certainly not the views of the European Commission. This music is composed by Carlo Alfredo Piatti and performed by Elisaveta Suschenko. And this last bit is particularly good. <laughs>